Welcome to the Mentia Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. My name is Solve Brown, and I'm excited to have Janine Rivet as my guest today. Janine has had an illustrious career. She is the retired executive vice president of United Health Group, where she worked with and on behalf of all business segments in areas focused on strategic business relationships, clinician advancement, culture, and social responsibility. She is a rock star in the mentoring community and has dedicated herself to mentoring others for the majority of her career. Janine has shared her wisdom and guidance with Mentium mentees since the very first Mentium 100 cohort 30 years ago. In 2020, she was named the Women's Health Leadership Trust Mentor of the Year. Janine serves on numerous corporate boards, foundations, and advisory councils, and has won countless awards throughout her career. In 2019, the American Heart Association honored her with the prestigious Heart of the City Award in recognition of her philanthropy and leadership for propelling solutions forward to improve the health of our community. Several publications have named Janine as one of the most powerful women in business. We are all in for a treat because Janine is going to give us a presentation called Climbing the Ladder Without Getting Dizzy or Falling Off. In this presentation, Janine will talk about the lessons she has learned throughout her life and career. Janine has PowerPoint slides to accompany this presentation, which will be available on the show notes page for this episode on the Mentium website. Welcome, Janine. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Salve, for that kind and gracious introduction. And let's get going. Okay. Who is Janine Rivet? Janine is from Woonsocket, Rhode Island, lives in Minnetrista, Minnesota, built a house in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, lived in five states, wife, mother, grandmother, nurse, business leader, worked for seven different companies, was at United Health Group for 28 years, and I retired in July of 2018. I'm a board member. I'm a mentor, coach. I love spending time with family and friends, and we have three cats. Now, I need you to visualize this, uh, what you'll see in the slides when you look at them. Think of a ladder, put that in the middle of your frame, and think of every rung of the ladder as a decade. So starting on the base is my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, my 60s, my 70s. And I won't make you have to figure it out, but I'm going to be 73 next week, June 1st. So that'll give you a level set of where I'm at. Now put a bubble, a circle around that ladder and look to the left. And here's what's grounded me from the very beginning. Family, very close to family. Didn't grow up with much, but had a lot of love, a lot of ethics, a lot of... Uh, really good um, grounding in how to be a person. Faith, very important to me, and friends. And those are the, the things that have carried me through every decade. On the bottom, I put my values because that kind of spreads out into both um, education, career, and community, which is on the right side. And I didn't know how to describe my values until I was further up the rungs of the ladder, but I knew intuitively what was important to me. And as I got further up, the values that I kind of ground myself with are integrity, compassion, relationships, innovation, and performance. And if you have at the top four, you get the fifth. That's what's really important. They, they build on themselves. So on the right side of the bubble around the ladder, I put education. Yeah, because that's where you start. You start, you think about your career and what you want to do. And 
um, and what you, you want your job. So education, and I went, uh, mine was nursing. I had a passion to really help people live healthier lives, improve their outcomes, but also simplify the experience. As anybody who's been in the healthcare system knows, it's very fragmented and complicated. And built that, that helped me build an incredible career, not one that I had planned, and you'll hear more about it in a few minutes. Um, and the more career I had, the more community I got involved with, both locally and nationally. So as we leave the visual of the ladder, when I am holding on to the past, I don't have my hands free to reach for the future. So learning from the past is really important, but you're not going back, you're going forward. So we'll move to my 20s, my first rung. My 20s were 1968 to 1977. What was happening in the world at that time? First FedEx overnight delivery, the Health Maintenance Organization Act was passed, which was the beginning of what we now know as managed care. Hippies, I did have long hair, but I wasn't a hippie. Uh, Vietnam War, The Beatles, and the movie of the decade was The Godfather. What did I do? Well, what I did was I got my RN diploma from a three-year hospital program, which was very intense on clinical, which was great. A few years later, I got my baccalaureate degree in nursing. I worked for three companies, a hospital, public health, and then an HMO clinic, which is bricks and mortar. If, you, if you're local and you think about a Park Nicolette cl clinic, it would be like that. Um, I had four different roles, um, pediatric nurse in the hospital, public health I worked with, handicapped children in the clinic. I went in as a pediatric nurse in the pediatric department and then became a supervisor. I got married and divorced in that decade, no children. And I uh, had my first mentor who was the CEO of the HMO. And it was a male. Most of my mentors, particularly early on in my career were men. What did I learn? Um, I learned to follow my instincts. I learned to take risks. I learned to be brave. Some examples of that are, uh, we had a quality committee in, um, in the, the HMO that I worked at. We were applying to be federally qualified. You'd have to go through a whole quality process and prove your value. And it was all physicians, all men. So our pediatrician would go, the lead doc, and he'd come back and he'd share with me what um, he had learned um, and what they discussed. And then I would do the follow-up. And after about six weeks of this, he said, why don't you just come to the meetings? It'd be so much easier for both of us. And so he invited me, I went and I knew the other docs and we were chit-chatting. And then the chair of the committee came kind of pounding in. He's uh, a surgeon, general surgeon, uh, Dr. Perry. And he was, um, no eye contact. He was a very interesting, he kept looking down and finally said, we have an intruder in this meeting. And of course, all eyes were on me. And um, Dr. Rosen came to my uh, uh, rescue and said, no, 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 I invited Janine. This is, she's working with me on quality and this is fine. And I'm really happy that she's here. And nothing, dead silence. And it was, it, it felt like it was five minutes. It was probably a minute. And of course, in my brain, what are my options here? Do I leave? Do I speak up? What do I say? And I decided to take a risk and I said, Dr. Perry, how about if I'm not here as a member of your committee, but I will take notes, which they never did. There were never minutes. I will take minutes and I will um, be quiet. 
another minute goes by. So we're all wondering what's going to happen next. And he started the meeting. He never acknowledged any of the discussion. He just started the meeting. I took minutes. I put down uh, things that were agreed upon, who was doing what, what did what their deadline and time dates were for, for uh, submitting. And uh, we did very well. We, we actually finished the projects about six months earlier than what they thought they were going to need for time, partly because they weren't doing any assignments at all. And I called it, she who holds the pen rules. So you don't have to be a committee member. You just have to figure out how to contribute and move the agenda forward. And we didn't have computers then, so it was definitely a pen and a legal pad. Um, Dr. Perry retired about two and a half years later. He never said a word to me ever through this process. Um, he retired about two and a half years later and he was walking down the hall and I said, Dr. Perry, good luck on this next part of your life journey. I wish you good health. Again, no eye contact, head down. He stomps by me and he said, good work on that quality stuff, Riddit. <laughs> and that was it. So I got some acknowledgement, um, but I didn't need it because I knew we had done good work. But it was you know, thinking quickly about my options. And being a nurse, my first thought was nobody gets hurt, nobody dies, you try. There's always something that you can do. You just need to think about it. The personal one on my instincts was getting married. Um, it was somebody that, you know, I was the only one of my, my whole friend con, uh, group, friend group uh, that wasn't married. And um, I don't know that they put pressure on me, but I felt pressure. I think I put it on myself. Walk, walking down that aisle with my father, I knew this was not the right thing. And my instincts were there. And then I thought, I'm just nervous. We're going to get through this. It'll be fine. And it wasn't. I, I applied for a divorce four years later. And what my instinct was telling me, but I didn't know it because I wasn't listening to my instincts then, and, and I highly recommend we all listen to our instincts, um, was that our values weren't aligned. And that, and that was the, the big issue. It wasn't going to work for us. And it didn't. Um, so if you have the courage to start, you, you'll finish. That's the important thing. Take that risk, be brave, and learn from the experience. Now that first mentor was the CEO of that uh, health maintenance organization. And he was terrific because he identified a small handful of people that he wanted to groom because he saw something in us, something that we didn't see in ourselves. And he took the time to be honest, sometimes pushy <laughs> to make sure that we got out of our uh, comfort zone. And, uh, but he gave us feedback all the time and he gave us opportunities. And you see a theme with him as I go through the rest of my decades. Let's move on to my 30s. 78, 1978 to 1987. The US airline industry was deregulated. The first com personal computer um, came out. First email, which we think we've had them forever. AIDS was the disease of the decade. Three famous people were shot. Uh, John Lennon, President Reagan, and the Pope. And the movie of the decades was Star Wars. So what did I do? I got my master's in public health that, in that decade. I worked for three companies. I had, again, several different roles from clinical supervisor to associate director of the health plan, and then on to director, and then a, a senior vice president of the health plan. I moved twice. I was in Rhode Island and I Washington. I was recruited to go to Washington, DC to work for a larger uh, health maintenance organization that had um, 
seven facilities and, and adding more. Um, and then I was recruited by that mentor of mine to move to Colorado to run a health plan, small health plan. Now to run it to be the equivalent of the CEO. However, I was in clinical operations in the bricks and mortar. This health plan had no bricks and mortar. Everything was contract. So it was a, a different experience and one that I wasn't sure I could do, but he had every uh, confidence that I could. And that's why he brought me out to Colorado. What did I learn in that decade? I learned that you create your own presence. How you show up has an impact on how people think of you and what they see. I learned to stand up for my beliefs um, and I learned to, um, uh, to identify formal and informal mentors. Uh, formal because I, I wanted to have continuous learning. Informal is more targeted. For example, I was starting to do a lot more presentations so I would identify people who were really good at presenting. And then I'd have a cup of coffee with them and say, how do you do this? How do you prep? What's, your, what's in your mind when you do it? How do you, how do you select what kind of slide you use or if you use any? And just a lot of questions. And it was terrific because people love giving back. Uh, we just had to have, find the time to take 30 minutes. And um, those informal mentors were as useful to me as formal. So when I come up to, or writing a report, some were great, some weren't so great. Um, what's the thought process? So very helpful to, for me in that area. I also learned keep friends and make new ones because I'm moving. And I, now I'm really happy to say, who are my real friends versus acquaintances? Because I can't keep in touch with everybody. Every time you move, you then create new friends. And, um, and I have friends that have been, no matter where I've lived, we've, we've stayed very close for all these decades. Uh, an example of um, stand up for your beliefs and, and then carries over with be brave. The, uh, the DC experience had four labor unions and I had not done labor negotiations before. And we, uh, and I was in charge of one of them, one of the negotiations and I was uh, backup for a couple of the others. And it was the nurses and physical therapists union. So, I met with the outside attorney who had done all the previous contracts and I met with and one of my staff who had done the previous contracts and the three of us were our team. And we met to do our planning and really sort through what we, what we needed to do and how to set the agenda. So then we met with a group, 10 nurses, two physical therapists, and we were waiting for their attorney and waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, 20 minutes, I said, you know, we've got a business to run here. Let's, let's just call this meeting and we'll just reschedule. As I'm saying that, in comes this man who's about my height, definitely bigger than me, looks like he slept in a suit and greasy hair. Uh, not somebody you wanted to be sitting next to, but he came, and I wasn't, I never thought he was the attorney, but he was. And he came in, slammed his briefcase down and started pointing the finger at me, telling me, now I've been there like four months. You're the problem. You're the one, the reason that we can't get anything done. You don't care about your, your staff and your nurses and anyways, yelling. And then he went from that to awful language, foul language, um, which even shocked his people. And um, what I did is I stood up and I said, it's clear to me very calmly that we're not gonna have a pro professional conversation. I think we need to take a little break and calm down and then rethink how we start this discussion I'll be in my office, let me know when you're ready. 
well, an hour. And of course, our attorney's chasing me and saying, you can't do that. Well, I said, I already did it. So let's go see what happens. And um, they came, uh, nothing. An hour passed, nothing. Second hour passes, nothing. Now I'm thinking, I really don't know how to negotiate. This is like a bust. Yeah, now, now how do we regroup? Well, two and a half hours uh, went by when one nurse and one therapist came in and said, we have a proposal for you, looking at me. And I said, I'm open, all ears. And they said, how about we negotiate without attorneys? And when we're done with the terms of the agreement, they can put it into legal language, into a contract. I said, you're good, That's, we're, we're great. And we did, and we still had a lot of negotiating to do, but we got through it professionally and got to a good end point. So that's a stand, it reinforced what I learned in my 20s to stand up for what you think is right. And what I really learned there is what you permit, you promote. If I hadn't done that, then I would have kept dealing with it because it wouldn't have stopped. And so that was my big aha moment. What you permit, you promote. And people see you as you behave. And in this case, they thought I behaved responsibly and that they appreciated that I stepped in. Um, the other thing I learned in that decade is success isn't permanent and failure isn't fatal. So you're gonna have ups and downs and bumps and not everything is gonna be um, happy, but it's all a learning experience. So we move on to my 40s, 1988 to 1997. What was happening? This will start sounding more familiar. Wi-Fi, video conferencing, texting, cell, that cell phone was five pounds, or maybe even a little heavier than five pounds. Dolly the sheep was cloned in England. Desert storm occurred. Even though it was 97, Y2K fears were, particularly in healthcare, because when you hit 2000, everybody was afraid we'd lose all the data, the medical data, clinical data. And the movie of the decade was Titanic. What did I do? I worked for three companies, had three different roles. I joined United Health Care, which is what it was called then, um, in 1990. There were, we had 1,200 employees, about $600 million of revenue. The stock was $2 a share. And if you think about the trajectory of my 28 years there, um, they have over 300,000 employees in multiple countries and they're over $250 billion of revenue. And the stock price is obviously not $2 <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, but I did move three times. I was in two times. I was in Colorado and um, moved to Boston. I was recruited to work at uh, Prudential for a year to do a turnaround for them for their New England um, uh, division. Well, they wanted me there longer, but I didn't stay there because what I found was they were not serious about the business they were in, in terms of uh, managed care, as, as happened in Colorado, because they were bought out in the new buyers. And so I did not want to spend energy in every step forward that we're taking towards good service, good data, um, and, and really futuristic uh, decision-making. I was going three steps back in, in there. And at that time, that CEO mentor had moved from Colorado to be the CEO of United Health Care. And then he recruited me from Boston to Minnesota. Uh, so that mentor was three times really taking me and putting me in different roles that I'd never done before with incredible trust and confidence. So he was a sponsor for me. That decade, I started mentoring. 
Um, I, I was in the first class, as Solveig said, of the Mentium, uh, Minnesota 100, now Mentium. And I've mentored one or two uh, mentees for Mentium a year since then, along with mentoring in the trust and some other locations. Um, we uh, married our older daughter. Um, actually, I should say, I got married in my uh, uh, 40s. I remarried the love of my life, so that was a good thing. And I got two daughters and a granddaughter overnight. So it was, it was terrific. Um, uh, so we married our older daughter and um, two boards. Now I'm on the trade association board and a not-for-profit board and um, two cats, still two cats. What did I learn uh, in my 40s? I learned to share experiences. That was part of the mentoring. I was learning how to ask good questions, listen, and then share experiences that could be meaningful. To, uh, for others. Um, I learned the difference between confidence and arrogance, which is uh, my description of confidence is being authentic, being humble, asking questions, getting input, and then making good decisions. Arrogant is thinking you know the answers to everything. You never ask anybody and you don't accept any information and it doesn't feel right. Um, I also learned the difference between um, balance which we all say balance. Every time I have a mentor, mentee, they all want to talk about work-life balance. And I learned in that decade, there is no balance, but there is, there is harmony. Balance is equal, everything is equal. And, and that's not our lives, particularly when you're in a profession that keeps us as busy as we are. Um, but you can create harmony and you know when you have to put more time at work or you know when you need to be with your family and you make those decisions and you be present wherever you, you are. And to me, that's harmony versus balance. For example, um, when I became, uh, when I started moving and taking on more responsibility, I realized I just had to schedule things. I had to really identify what was important for me and then schedule and then to take care of myself because I put myself on the calendar uh, to take care of myself, to make sure that I had my time either for reflection or for exercise. Um, if, if it's calendared, it gets done. Um, that's what I learned in that decade. And that change is constant. Change does not go away. And, and this is a quote from Alfred um, North Whitehead. The art of progress is to preserve order amid change and to preserve change amid order. And that's a lot of what I was doing when I was going from uh, in my various roles at United at that time. So let's go to my 50s. 1998 to 2007, Google, Blackberry, Wikipedia, iTunes, iPod, iPhone, 9-11, security checkpoints at airports and other locations too. The first Mars rover and two movies in that decade that were um, the winners of the decade, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. So what did I do? My father was so proud. I worked for one company I didn't change jobs, I didn't move. He just thought that was about time. I did have multiple different roles in, at United uh, uh, at that time. I started in, as a, I was the chief, op chief operator, operating officer for United Healthcare. And then we became United Health Group in 1998. And uh, we, United Health Group became a holding company. And then we had six businesses, well, five actually, one was a venture group. Uh, five businesses underneath that header. 
and we kept United Healthcare name for the benefits businesses. And I was named as the first CEO um, of United Healthcare. And the other businesses had CEOs named through the course of the rest of 98. So it was busy, uh, very busy. I uh, was on uh, during that time. So one of the tips I did going back to the Harmony is I knew, and my husband was extremely supportive that I was gonna need some time to get through uh, setting up a new business because that's what it was doing. We, we were taking a lot of what was centralized and putting it back in the field and really changing the dynamics of the organization. So I got three calendars. I invited our two daughters to come over and I said, here's the deal. I'm not gonna see you much. I will see you on holidays. I may miss birthdays, but I want you to pick one day a month on a Saturday or Sunday, and I will commit quality time to be with you. And you pick what you want to do, whether it's play games, cook dinner together, go to movies, go to a park, go to the zoo, I'll, I'll, we'll do it. And you, and you fill it out and then fill one out for me so that I will have it. And, and this is what we'll do. And it was great for two reasons. One is we all made a commitment to each other. We all had quality time together because we made that commitment and I was able to keep that commitment. And they felt like they were helping, that they were in charge, that they took over. And that's a benefit that I didn't expect, but for them, it was very um, important. Uh, so it was, it was a great idea. It was one that was more for my survival than anything else, but it worked out very well. That decade, I'm on nine boards, a combination of business, academic, and not-for-profits. So I've, I've shifted um, four more grandchildren in that decade, dealing with aging parents who were three hours by plane or three hours by car away from us. My husband gave me a surprise birthday party six weeks before my birthday. So it was truly a surprise. <laughs> and uh, we started a family foundation because we realized that we didn't, either of us did not grow up with very much. Uh, we had a lot of love and, um, and comfort, but we just didn't have much. And we didn't know that until we were older um, when we reflect back. So we want, and we've done well. So we wanted to make sure that we uh, taught our children and our grandchildren the importance of giving back when you can. And so we created a family foundation, which was like a second job for me, <laughs> but it was great. It's been a learning experience. Um, and have been able to really do education and, and give back to the community. And we still have two cats. Uh, I learned that decade to be flexible. As I mentioned, schedule what's important, give back, recognize others. Um, uh, Salve mentioned that I've got recognition for being female in business. The majority of the recognition wasn't for me. It just happened to be I had a title of CEO. It was for all the other people who did the work. And so it's an opportunity for me to say thank you uh, to staff, to teams, and to really recognize them for what, what they did. It, this was their award, not mine, but we needed a name on it. And then I'm, I'm learning much more to teach um, values through actions because I'm realizing that people are looking at me all the time and listening to me all the time and to see how I'm gonna react, what I'm gonna say, am I upset about the news or something? And so, um, so how, how I showed up started to become very important to me. I also recognized that words matter. And as I mentioned, actions speak louder than words, but words matter and actions speak louder than words. So if you're saying something and you're frowning, it's uh, definitely misinterpreted. 
And so I really started to think about that leadership shadow that I was casting both professionally and personally with family and, and mostly family and friends and grandchildren. So my 60s, 2008 to 2017, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, smartphone, probably a few things I've missed. Um, healthcare reform, that was big in that decade. And the two movies again were Star Wars and Avatar. What did I do in my 60s? Well, I continued in a corporate role. I transitioned into corporate doing uh, social responsibility, culture. Um, uh, I created a center for nursing advancement with the intent to make it a center for clinical advancement, which it did indeed evolved to. And then I had a lot of special assignments. I was a, an internal and external advisor on uh, a lot of task forces representing United Health Group. I was working with customers. I helped stand up the military business until it had revenue and then we could move it into a business. So lots of projects, which was fun. It was a good use of my experience at United and in healthcare. Um, I uh, still on boards at that point and we got three cats. My husband decided we've always had a male and a female and the male is always a bully. And uh, he said, well, if we get two girls and a boy, maybe it'll be better. It's just more interesting. That's all with three. Uh, the boy is still a bully, but one of the females whacks him back and, uh, and protects the other female. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic to watch, but a lot of fun. Um, so that's kind of what I did. Uh, what I'm learning in my 60s is life is what you make it. Choices are yours and, um, and they impact what happens. I learned to stay involved because I'm in a corporate role now. So I wanted to make sure I was being productive and still learning um, and learning and sharing and have a little more fun a little more travel fun. I learned that wisdom is what we learn after we know it all, because we think we know it all when we're early on in our 20s and 30s, and you realize by the time you get to 60, you didn't know it all. So a lot of reflection on um, uh, the, the path forward in terms of wisdom. Um, love this quote from Audrey Hepburn. As you get older, you will discover that you have two hands, one for helping yourself and the other for helping others. And that's what I started doing a lot more of in my 60s. And I learned to always be your best self. And a friend of a colleague of mine, when I was doing culture facilitation at United, came up with this line and, and I loved it. And I think in my 60s, this is when it really came out. Be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh crap, she's up. And that's the kind of women I, I think for sure, in my 60s, I became that person, maybe earlier, and I just didn't realize it. So now we're up to my 70s. It's continued technology. It's increasing social media. Yeah, health, healthcare reform discussions, but not as much reform. COVID, George Floyd, and the movies uh, of, the, of the decade were Black Panthers and Avengers so far, because it's only 2008 to now. So there may be another movie. Uh, we had a little respite last year in terms of movies. What did I do? I retired in July of 2018. That was a trifecta for me. It was, I retired on the day I started 28 years before. Um, I turned 70 and uh, it was my 50th anniversary of um, being a registered nurse. Two business boards, strategic, strategic advisor to another startup board, six not-for-profits, 
Luckily, I had set up my home office when I retired, so I was set for last year, so that was helpful. I continue to mentor and coach two more grandchildren. My, our younger daughter remarried, and um, now she has two stepchildren, so we're up to seven. And I realized that um, a couple of things. One is I needed to keep staying active. Retiring, I had planned my retirement to transition to the boards I wanted to be on and to continue mentoring and coaching, which I did and I still do. So the boards are my brain stimulation and the coaching and mentoring and participation in women's leadership groups is paying it forward. And my big aha moment, I guess I had two in this few days, uh, the important two ahas. The first was I didn't realize how dependent I was on my hairdresser and manicurist until last year. So that was my first aha. My second was legacy. Because when you retire, there's a lot of reflection and a lot of people tell you things, uh, either face-to-face -face or in letters and cards and things. And what I realized is we're creating our legacy each and every day. I started my legacy in my 20s. I just didn't know it. And it carried through to now. And I'm still creating more of my legacy. So we should all be mindful of how we show up, what we do, how we self-correct. And you have an opportunity to do that. My challenge to you, and I'll leave you with two other statements and a couple of other points here. But my challenge to all of you is think about your legacy where you are today. Think about the ladder and where you are. And if you're loving what you're doing and you think it's great and that's what you want people to remember you for, keep doing it. If you're not so sure, assess it because you can always self-correct. And if you're not happy with what you're doing, fix it. Because not being happy is not productive and people see it. Um, attitude is the mind's paintbrush. It can color any situation. So your attitude and how you think affects how you show up. And we control that. And I'm going to, uh, I want to read two paragraphs from a poem, and then I'm going to close up with some closing comments. Uh, for those of you who don't know this, I highly recommend you look it up. Uh, the Dash by Linda Ellis. I'm going to read the first paragraph and the last. Obviously, there are several in between. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. Here's the last paragraph. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about you and how you spent your dash? That dash is your life and your legacy. So it's a great opportunity to think through where you're at and how you feel about it. I've got just a couple more comments. Um, I thought I was pretty smart during these decades and the ladder and all of that. And um, what I found out about 10 years ago is a company called Change Management had done a study on decade shifts. I'm normal, you're normal. In our 20s, you're, you're, the emphasis is on task completion. It's on really starting a career. It's really learning along the way and it's more individualized. 30s, Emphasis is on more collaborating with others. You're getting smarter about the business and ability to work on cross-functional teams and, um, and still some sense of discomfort because you're really still learning. Uh, the 40s, emphasis is on balancing manage management and leadership, building competence in the company, learning to delegate, 
more effectively and less need to be right than to do right. And then 50s and 60s, and I'll add 70s, um, is very relationship focused. It's really seasoned leadership. It's greater perspective, it's sharing, it's honing those listening skills so that you can give feedback. And it's a lot of what I went through and this chart will be in your slides. So two more quotes and I'll be done. Um, I've talked about leadership a lot. Leadership is not a title. It is, title doesn't give you leadership capabilities. It's what you do and how you do it that gives you leadership capabilities. And I love this quote from John Quincy Adams. Your integrity as a leader is inspiring. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. That's what a leader really is. My last quote is doing nothing is the most tiresome job in the world because you can't stop and rest. So think about what you're doing. And I wish you all a wonderful life journey and look forward to uh, seeing you someday. <laughs> and if you have any questions, Mentium knows how to find me. Feel free to uh, get in touch. Thank you very much for your time, those of you who are listening and those of you who are listening to the replay. Thank you so much, Janine. That was such an inspiring presentation. I really appreciated hearing about what grounds you, um, your awareness of your values and making sure they align with everything that you do. I appreciated listening to your experiences and lessons learned and aha moments of each decade and hearing the context of what was happening in each decade. And as you were speaking, I had this profound sense of gratitude that you made that effort to climb the ladder because starting out from your very first meeting, it was hard. And you not only did that, but through your giving back and through your mentoring, you paved the way for so many other people to climb that ladder and you have made it easier. And that is no small thing. That is a huge, huge gift that you have given to so many people, people that don't even know you. You have challenged me and everyone listening to really think about our legacy, to really think about what we are doing. Is it aligning with our values, what we are giving back and you know what our dash is going to be at the end of our life? Um, so for those of you listening, please check out the Mentium website show notes for this episode. Um, the slides are fantastic and they give a highlight of the decades. And then we will also post the Linda Ellis poem on there so you can see that as well. I'm sure many of you will want to tell your friends and coworkers to listen to Janine's inspiring talk. I know I sure am going to tell everyone I know to listen to this. So thank you. Thank you all for listening to this Mentium Matters podcast. We have many great guests lined up, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I look forward to having you all back next time.